0: Just before I do the reading this morning, folk have been asking about folk come up to the front doing readings. I love that. It's just, I'm also a very quirky person as you might come to discover over the years. And for some reason, before I preach a sermon, I always like reading the text beforehand. It's just one of the quirks I have. So that's why I'm doing the readings. But I do love having folk up the front, but it's just a quirk I have that I like reading the text. It reminds me of what I'm going to talk about before I start. So that's why. John chapter 7, verse 1 down to 36. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the festival of the booze was at hand, so Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here. Go to Judea that your disciples may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. And Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you. It hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going this time. It hasn't come for me to go. And after this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, he went up to Jerusalem, not publicly, but privately. And the Jews were looking for him at the feast saying, where is he? There was much muttering about him among the people. Some said, well, he's a good man. Others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of them, nobody spoke openly. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching, which is a very courageous thing for him to do. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do the will of God, he will know whether the teaching is from God or I'm speaking in my own authority. The one who speaks in his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered him, I did one work and you marvel at it. Moses give you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but the fathers. You circumcise a man on the Sabbath. And if on the Sabbath he receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath day I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with the right judgment. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, Is this not the man whom they seek to kill? And here he's speaking openly. They're saying nothing to him. Can it be the authorities really know this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, you know where I come from, but I not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true. And him you do not know. I know him, for I have come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but nobody laid a hand on him. Because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees, hearing the crowd muttering these things, sent the chief priests and the officers to arrest him. Jesus said to them, I will be with you a little while longer. And then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, but you will not find me. And where I am going, you cannot come. And the Jews said, to one our where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me? Where I am going, you cannot come. And then just a bonus verse. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. I am the door. Come knock. And Lord, we would knock this morning and ask that you would come into our midst. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we thank you as we've been praising your name as the psalmist instructed us to do that you have been here we have declared truths about you in this place, truths of your salvation, truths of your faithfulness, truths about the peace and the healing and the forgiveness that you give, truths about you. Now we come to your word and we ask that, O Lord, you would send your Holy Spirit to open it to our hearts, that as we have sung earlier, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we may see Jesus. And I'm unequal to that past, Lord. I need your help. So come and help me and help us to hear what you're saying to your people today. And if there's anyone in our midst this morning who is seeking after you, Lord, who you have drawn here by your grace and your goodness, do you open the eyes of their hearts to receive the love that Jesus has for them. For we ask it in your name. Amen. There's a lovely story that is quite funny in some ways. It was about this Canadian couple who were walking the beautiful Scottish Highlands up in the Cairngorm Mountains. Has anyone been to the Cairngorm Mountains? They're beautiful up there. They're lovely. And these guys were walking the Cairngorm Mountains, and then they were near Balmoral Palace or Castle, sorry, Balmoral Castle, and they really, really wanted to see the Queen. And they were walking the mountains, and. There was no sight of her, and as they were giving up, they walked back towards their hotel. As they're walking, to, this is a true story, as they're walking to the hotel, they came across this couple in the Highlands. It was a slightly younger man who looked quite strong, and this older lady. And they were talking to the couple, and they said to the couple, you know, do you know the queen? The older lady stayed quiet, but the young man says, well, I know her quite well. And the Canadians were really excited, and they said, oh, oh, tell us about the queen. And the young man said, well, she could be a bit grumpy at times, but you know, she's a lovely lady. So they talked a bit about the queen, and then the guys were so excited, they said, can we get our picture taken with you? And so they got their picture taken with this young man, and they got the old lady to do it. (laughs) So for some reason, they also eventually included the old lady in the picture. So it was a picture of this couple, the old lady, and this young man. They were really excited to meet. So they went back to Canada, and they showed their family the pictures. And somebody said to them, that old lady looks awfully like the queen, because it was they have been so desperate to meet the queen that when this young man said about it, they just focused on him and they completely ignored the fact that the queen was standing there holding the camera taking the pictures about them. Which does make me laugh when the security officer said she could be a bit grumpy, but she's a nice lady. <laughs> imagine that, but when you got home, imagine that was you and you looked at your pictures and somebody said to you, guys, you were standing beside the queen. It's so important to get the right person. It's so important to focus on the right thing. It's so important not to come with our preconceptions or ideas, but to look at what is before us. And the text we have today before us is a very clear reminder again from John that we need to get Jesus right. We need to know who he really is, not with our preconceptions or ideas, but who he is as he's described to us by himself in his word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we come to this text this morning again, a fresh reminder to get him right. The text opens there after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. We reckon this, place, this takes place six months after the previous miracle. We looked at the feeding of the 5,000. So he's been in Galilee for six months doing his ministry, which you can read about in the other gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the Jews are after him. The religious leaders are after him because they remember what he said back in John, that he made himself equal with God. Which is quite a claim, isn't it? He just didn't say that. He said, I am equal to God. God is my father. And they were seeking to kill him. But this scene then arises. It's a family matter. Isn't it amazing how in the midst of the Gospels, I love the Gospels, don't you? I love the stories in the Scripture. We think history takes place with great events and great leaders. But history and the world's history takes place in conversations, in kitchens, in families, in homes where life is lived out. And here we have a snapshot of Jesus's family life, a family matter as we come to know him. How many of you have brothers and sisters? How many often drive you bananas knowing how to put your hand up? <laughs> we all have family and we all love our family. We all sometimes have struggles with our family. And isn't it amazing here? And I love this text. And this is just a wee aside from the rest of the sermon today. But here's Jesus in his family home. With the brothers, we know of them, it's in Matthew thirteen fifty-five. There's James, there's Joseph, there's Simon, there's Judas, who becomes Jude. We might have sisters, we don't know. And Jesus has looked after them. We know that he worked in his father's carpenter shop. He's provided for them. He's cared for them. They lived with them. And look at verse 5. There isn't verse 5 so tragic. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. And friends, this morning, this just teach me to say, this is just a wee aside from the main sermon, but we all have family who don't know the Lord Jesus, don't we? It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not something to try and tuck away. Jesus himself here was in a similar situation to us. And how did he respond? He responded with love. He responded graciously. We don't know the brother's motives here. I mean, they perhaps were being good brothers. Perhaps they'd saw that Jesus had great crowds following him. He was feeding the 5,000. and Then he started teaching some pretty radical stuff and the crowds left. And maybe they thought, well, Jesus, get the numbers up again. Do something spectacular. Do your work. Go up to Jerusalem and do your works there. But Jesus responds lovingly, graciously, and truthfully. My time has not yet come. Your time is always here. The world cannot hate you. It hates me because I testify its works are evil. Guys, you're not believing. You're not seeing who I am. And yet he is gracious with them, Friends, if we have family who do not know Jesus, respond to them with love. Respond to them with grace. Answer their questions honestly and don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. I'm here today because my granny wouldn't give up on me and she kept praying for me until she trailed me to church. And I love that about granny. You know a good thing when you're being trailed to church by your granny. Give your grandkids sweeties. I went from from milk buttons to tic-tacs to polos. It was great. My granny used to bribe me with sweets during the sermon. (laughs) That's wisdom. (laughs) Don't give up on family members who don't know him yet. In Acts 1, verse 14, all these were with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Jesus' brothers did come to know him. James would write the epistle to James. Jude, Judas would write Jude. And all that was changed by the resurrection. Oh, friends, if you are loving the Lord this morning and you long to see your family become part of the family of God, don't give up on them. Jesus lives. Jesus loves. He has risen from the grave and he can turn situations around. He can reach into the hardest places and bring them to himself. Keep loving, keep answering honestly, and keep trusting in Jesus. It's a family matter. This brings us on to verse 10. As we now establish who Jesus is. This scripture today is a is a tricky one to try and get our hands around. Verse ten to twenty-four. The question they basically ask is, Who is your father? Who is your father? Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. They they went up to the feast ahead of him now Jesus decides to go to Jerusalem in verse ten after his brothers gone up. He went up publicly or sorry, privately, to the feast. And this discussion starts about And I love how many of you love eavesdropping? I know you shouldn't, but it's great sometimes, isn't it? be a fly on the wall. And look at this crowd before us today. I mean, if you're trying to find out who Jesus is or get your questions answered about Jesus, don't do a public opinion poll. What was it Churchill said? Democracy is the worst form of government, but all else have been tried. Or the camel is a horse designed by a committee of people. (laughs) Don't go by public opinion. The Jews here are grappling with trying to figure out who Jesus is. They'd saw the miracles. And let's remind ourselves of the miracles as we go through John's. John's miracles are pretty key. Firstly, the birth of Jesus was miraculous. But secondly, the public miracle he did where he turned the water into wine at the wedding. When he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. When he did wondrous signs and deeds in John chapter 5, which we'll look at in a minute. But where that man who was lying for 38 years bound with paralysis. And Jesus says to him, get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks and carries his bed. They saw the miracles. And they're trying to grapple with them. So they resort to the old cop out. Well, I think he's a, he's a good man. Have you ever heard that? They're, they're an okay person, but. Well, he's a good man. Oh, no, others say he's leading the people astray. And so this tremendous debate starts about Jesus without actually anyone talking to Jesus or listening to what he says. It reminds me of C.S. Lewis's quote. But if we take the claims of Jesus true, he is really really only two things, three things, a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. So in the middle of the feast, don't try and find out who Jesus is by public opinion. Go and listen to him. If you take verse, try it again. If you take first 11 to 12 today, I guarantee you in the streets of Lincoln, you'll probably still get the same response today, wouldn't you? Most people say Jesus is a good man. Some people say, oh, no, he was a deceiver. Some people say he's wrong. Don't go by public opinion. Listen to Jesus, verse 14. Last week, we heard about how he was the bread of life, how he sustains our needs for salvation and keeps us going. And one of the texts that comes out is, man shall not live by alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, for his words are life. Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Here this morning, listen to some words of eternal life, not from me, but from Jesus. So Jesus stands up in the middle of the temple. And I love that about Jesus. He is so courageous. We sometimes forget the courage of our Lord, do we not? We're here, people are trying to kill him. They're trying to bump him off. And these guys have history. The Romans were really good at making people disappear. And here Jesus stands up in the most public place and testifies isn't Jesus amazing? You could say, please say yes. <laughs> he is amazing. And what is he saying? Let's listen. He is teaching authoritatively from the Old Testament. He is teaching them words of eternal life. How is it they cry out that this man has learning when he has never studied? Who's never sat under a rabbi. He's never been through our schools. How can this guy teach? And Remember the crowds in the, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught with authority? Jesus isn't wishy-washy. Jesus isn't vague in his answers. Jesus isn't like a politician. When he's asked a question, he answers his own answer. Jesus declares clearly who he is. He doesn't hide his light under a bushel. My teaching is not mine, he says, his authoritative of teaching comes from God himself. It's not mine, but his who sent me. And straight away, the question you should be asking, well, who sent you? Where have you come from? He goes on, if anyone's will is to do God's will, they will know whether my teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Jesus here is saying, firstly, he's come from God. Secondly, you can know it because he matches up with the Old Testament. Do you know when you buy stuff off Amazon, you get those wee description reviews? You ever done that? You get a wee description and a wee blurb in the back, and sometimes it's got nothing to do. But what's that paint? What's the paint It does exactly what it says in the tin? Ron Sill. See, See, that's how good advertising is. Ronsell does exactly what it says in the tin. If you read the Old Testament...